Perfect timing right for the drop, ladies and gents. All the way from Australia, we're going to have a good time today. Welcome back to the show. It's Monday, so let's do our thing. Yeah. Here we go. Shut up and sit down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business on social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business Bros. Let's keep this party started, Ham. Oh, you drop the heat. All right, all you business pros out there, before we jump into the show, just a quick reminder to please subscribe on whichever platform it is that you're listening to us on today. Give us a like, give us a follow, subscribe, and drop a review. Help other like-minded business owners find value from our awesome guests while we rise up in those podcast rankings. We'll sincerely appreciate every single one of you for it. And if you want to be a guest on the show, we'd love to have you on to learn from you as well. Go to www.businessbros.biz, schedule your time, and don't forget to follow us on all our social medias at Business Bros Pod. All right, everybody, we're so excited and so honored to bring yet another incredible guest to the Business Bros Pod. Our guest today is a retail strategist and an e-commerce marketing expert who specializes in helping independent retailers grow sales and maximize profit without the burnout. Our guest has the experience in building, growing, and selling award-winning retail stores. And with her success, she was able to shift her focus from building those businesses into helping helping others. Every day, our guest is working with retail entrepreneurs, both e-commerce and brick and mortar, and she guides them to not only create freedom in their own lives, but to serve their customers in the best possible ways. So if you want to learn what digital marketing can do for your business, implement products to boost sales, and make your business run smoother and faster all on autopilot, you better make sure to tune in today. Joining us from around the world in Sydney, Australia. Welcome to the show, Selena Knight! Selena, welcome to the program. Can I just say, guys, best intro ever between my music in the background you guys doing it this is the most this is my kind of energy so i'm super excited (laughs) that's what we're talking about that's what we're talking about all right selena well let's jump into this thing um all the way from around the world the funny thing about that yeah the funny thing about that is you're able to do business from all the way around the world with anyone around the world Tell me how you how did you get into this space? I'm assuming uh, regular retail was in your background at some point. No. <laughs> oh. I am actually an arborist by trade, so a tree surgeon, and oh. I spent a lot of years out in the field. And I eventually moved my way up, and I was managing contracts. And it's a very male dominated industry, so I always say that that gave me my introduction to management and customer experience because. When you are cutting someone's tree down, there's a lot of emotion involved. And it's really trying to build out this win-win situation and trying to get the best outcome. But also there's a lot of uh, dealing with people's emotions. So I always say that that was like my baptism of fire. And it got to the point where I'd, I'd sort of moved up and I was working for the state government looking after the trees that were near power lines. And I this one day I'd been working on this 
not deal, this collaboration is the word we use now, with a local government to protect some endemic species. And it had taken months. And eventually we worked out for $1,000 more, and this is the government we're talking about, $1,000 is not an awful lot of money, that we could actually relocate this endemic species and, and be good to nature. And I came into my boss and I was like, we've finally, finally done it. I finally done it. All these stakeholders involved, it's only going to cost us $1,000. And he said, no. Uh, so, what? Like, what? Mm-hmm. And he said, no, no, not spending the money, don't have it in the budget. And, and I remember saying to him, well, if I'm not here to do this, then what am I here for? And he said to me, because the government legislation says you have to be. I mean, oh, wait. Hell no. <laughs> Exactly. Way to, Way go, to make man. someone feel like empowered and valuable, right? So it didn't take much longer after that that I decided to, you know, I was already in the works checking out and moving on. And I, I then I got pregnant with my daughter and I'm obviously clearly very passionate about sustainability. And this was back in 2006, 2007. And so e-commerce, super new. Like we were all hanging out in forums back then. Mm-hmm. Um, no Facebook, uh, e-commerce was as a brand new, lots of traditional marketing. And so I couldn't find these eco products that I wanted. And so I started to look at importing them. And I was in these forums and people were talking about importing products from America or importing the fabrics to make the products. And I was like, I could do this. Like what's literally what's stopping me? And so I started to do it as a bit of a side hustle and then it got to the point where I was making so much money that I didn't need the job. And so I left the job and my daughter was six months old at the time. So I left the, the corporate job and went to open my own physical store. And you know what happened in 2007, right? Economic meltdown. Oh, yeah. So today- So 2007, 2000, uh, so my daughter was born in 2008. I started the business in 2007 when I was pregnant. 2009 was when I opened the first store, 2008, 2009. I opened the first store, um, ended up growing that to a chain of stores in the middle of the global financial crisis, built a big online business. And what I was passionate about was building a community where parents could come and get information. Like these days we, we use the words community and collaboration so easily. But back then it wasn't a thing. And I think that was the core for our business growing was we actually gave a crap about our customers. We really, really cared. And I remember, yeah, look, it wasn't all sunshine and roses. It was really, really difficult at the beginning, especially money-wise. I had a degree in business, but I didn't know anything about the stuff they teach you in university, not what you actually need to know to run a business. (laughs) (laughs) And so I threw a lot of stuff at the wall most of it didn't stick. And it did get to that kind of crunch period where I walked into the door, I walked in, I used to always get up early and go to the shop early. And it's probably the only thing I regret, excuse me, the only thing I regret was that I spent too much time at work when I actually didn't need to. So looking back, I didn't need to go to work to rearrange the shelves. I could have just done that in the downtime. I didn't need to go to work to pack orders after hours I could have just done that when I was there. I didn't need to pack orders on a Sunday because they weren't going to get picked up until Monday anyway. And so that's probably the biggest thing that I learned and I try and teach other people is probably seven times out of 10, you don't need to be doing that extra work. You're doing it to keep yourself busy. And 
this is a, you know, I say this is the the problem that we have is as much as I love Gary V, it's not about hustle, hustle, hustle. Because if hustling made you the most successful, every person who put in 17 hour days would be multimillionaires. But the fact is most of them aren't. And so That's we have to actually- That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. No, it's not how it works. And all the gurus tell you, this is the thing you have to, you just have to play that little bit harder. And it's like, actually, no, the most successful businesses aren't playing harder. So that's the big thing I regret was the the stupid time I spent, the busy work time. And I find that busy work is quite often the, it's the, the symptom of someone who doesn't have a successful business. Mm. Like people who have a successful business stay busy doing other things. Like, sure, I love working, but I still love to go to the gym. I still love to go out with my family. I still love to go to the movies. And whereas when I had the not very successful business or the struggling business, I for I foregoed, forewent. What's the <laughs> Close enough. Yeah. Close you enough. let it, you, know you, what I'm saying. you substituted one for the other. I decided not to do the fun things. And of course, when you stop doing all the fun things in your life, it becomes all consuming. It becomes very oppressive. And quite often you wrap up your self-worth in the success of the business. And so I do distinctly remember, remember going into the shop one day, it was a Saturday and I'd gotten there early. And as I, I put the key in the lock, and of course, you don't know this at the time, you can only see this in hindsight. I remember putting the key in the lock and kind of pushing the door with my shoulder because it was a really heavy metal door. And as I just stood there, just something clicked in my head. And it was that saying of, if you continue to do the same thing every day, nothing will change. Mm-hmm. And I remember just standing there and I burst into tears thinking, I can't continue to go on like this. Like the, I'm not happy. I'm sure my family's not very happy. Like I'm not making all these millions of dollars that I thought I would make. I'm working myself into the ground. And so I shut the door, went into the storeroom, had a big cry, um, and you know, had myself a cup of tea because that's what we do. And just came out and just, I actually rang my husband afterwards and said, I'm selling the house. So I was very, very lucky to have um, an investment apartment. And I said to him, I'm, I'm, I'm selling the house, not, not our house, that house. And he said, okay, why? And I just said, because I have reached that point in my business where cash flow alone will not grow me. And quite often I see this happen when I work with businesses is they grow broke. They get to this point where they are on track to do a million dollars or $2 million or $4 million, but they don't have the cash flow reserves because people don't understand that just because you're making the money doesn't mean you have the millions in the bank. There's mm-hmm. still so many outgoings. There's still indent orders. There's still all these things that happen behind the scenes. And quite often you have to bring in more staff at that point too and so they get caught out with this cash flow gap. And I didn't realize it then, I realize it now, that that was that I was in that cash flow gap. So I, I sold the, the apartment and I decided to put a big chunk of it back into the business. And that's what it needed to grow. But I also knew I couldn't continue to do the same thing. I couldn't just turn up every day. And, and I call it now the hamster wheel of hope, hoping, crossing your fingers and hoping that people would turn up, people would buy something you would get visitors to your website, that those visitors would actually convert. Because even though I loved marketing and I was doing a lot of it, I wasn't doing it very well. And it was always when I had a little bit of time. And so now with lots of years of experience and working with retailers and and e-commerce brands, what I've actually discovered is there are five key areas of your business. So money, which is understanding how money flows, 
into, around, and out of your business. There's sales, which is the making of the money. There's customers, so finding them, attracting them, catching them, connecting with them, converting them, and keeping them. So lots of steps in the customers. Marketing, which is just about telling the business, telling the world that your business exists and getting them to want to buy your stuff. Marketing is not just posting on social media. And then we have what's called often called the missing pillar, which is impact. And mm. impact is about building a brand, not just a store. Impact is the thing. It's this intangible thing where people look at their competitors and say, what have they got that I don't have? Like, what are they doing? Why are they winning all the awards? Why are they getting featured on the morning show? Like, who, who are they paying off? But the fact is they haven't. They just focused on their impact pillar. And so, as I said, through lots of trial and error, and I've got pictures of this, you know, it, as I was working it out back in the day with big pieces of brown paper um, taped to the back of the storeroom door where we would write all this stuff out and we would have calendars and, and, and work things out and brainstorming pieces of paper. And what I basically worked out is, you have to work on one of those. It's the one that you're the most crap at. I didn't ask mm. you if we are, are we PG? Yeah, right? you're go, go for it. Free okay. to say what you like. The one that you're the most shit at is the one you need to be focusing on. And that's because if you continue to do the thing that you're good at, and look, I've had this conversation with an eight and nine figure brand. When I said exactly the same thing, I said, you just need to focus on the thing that you suck at. And he said, oh, we suck at, the delivery of the customer service. So everything else we're pretty sure, but there's this little broken bit and we know that it's broken. And he said, but we're great on experience and we're great on this and we're great on the product range and we're great. I said, right, so what are you focusing all your time on? He said, product range. And I said, how much more money are you going to make by focusing on product range? Remember, this is a eight turning into nine figure business. They know their numbers. And, and he said, we'll probably see a 3% increase. It's 3%. 3%. Hmm. Oh, good, hey? I said, right. So if we focused all of your resources on that thing that you're crap at just for 90 days, three months, what kind of results do you think you could see? He said, oh, if we if we killed it in three months, you know, if we, we made it awesome in three months, 30% lift. That's a huge swing. Why aren't you focusing on that? I said, right? hold up. Wait a minute. Yeah. Because, you know why? Because, and he was the same thing. He was like, oh, my God. And he, he went and got the CEO and he said, you have to have this discussion. And, and, and I said it to him. And, and the CEO was saying, why, why are we not focusing on that? And the reason we don't focus on the thing that we're crap at, several reasons. One, if we're not at that level where we have loads of, you know, we don't have a marketing manager, we don't have an e-commerce manager, and we don't have a, a fin manager and all that kind of stuff, we get bogged down in the busy work because the busy work is safe. The busy work is predictable. The busy work means at the end of the day, we can tick stuff off, uploaded products to the website, check, did some Canva videos, check, did the, you know, posted on social media, check. Fact is, you don't need to do any of that stuff. If you own the business, it's your job to direct where the business is going. It's your job to be the visionary, to, to know who you want to help, how you want to help, and how you're going to get there. And then you have people to do the implementation. But, but busy work keeps us safe. And on the flip side, again, we're swallowed up in this social media campaign of do the thing that you're good at. Be known for one thing. Niche down. Like all of those are great in context, but they're not great when you're supposed to be the CEO of your company. You know, 
the ideas that we that you've covered i mean that, first of all it's a lot to impact I, you know the, the fact that you started off saving trees and then realized that you know what i need to grow my own money tree uh and, and took a leap and just did your thing there's a lot of people who fear that step and aren't able to take that to the next level and then you just went and realized that you know one of my favorite things you said was i threw a bunch of stuff at the wall and very little of it stuck and I think that is where a lot of that discovery happens, right? This is where that that busy work starts, uh, where it's important at the beginning, where you're trying a lot of things to see what sticks. But yes. then we fall trapped to to what you're saying, that comfort zone of being stuck in that busy work. Um, it, walk me through where you're where you decided that I needed to step away from working in my business and started working on my business. Like what? What was that shift like? Was it, you know, I wanted to spend more time with my daughter? Was it, you know, it's about time that my company, I mean, you you kind of, you know, hinted on that a little bit when you sold the, the house and, and had that capital to, to put in. But people that that are in that position don't always take that leap. Don't always take that risk to sell a place, capitalize their business and move over uh, or move on, move forward. How did you come to that realization? Like what was going on in your life at that point that you said, this is my next step. This is for sure. I know I don't exactly have a crystal ball and know it's going to happen, know it's going to work out, but I know this is the next step for me. So there are two things. And the second thing I'm about to tell you, I can't actually remember the exact point in the timeline where it happened. The first one was I grew up very, very poor. Like I grew up some days not being able to school, go to school because we didn't have anything to put in the lunchbox. So I have always been driven to set myself up to be independent, to ha- to be financially independent. And I mean, I bought my first house at the age of 21, I think my first apartment, and I learned about investing. But I did that because I worked two jobs. I was working full-time as an arborist. And then from five in the evening till midnight, I went and worked stacking shelves at a grocery store. Because I wanted, I knew I had to make the money. And then I, I learned about investing and I learned about cross-securitization of properties. And I went on to buy another property with the, the equity that I bought. So a lot of that was just information. But I am, I'm not the smartest person in the world, right? Like there let's are a lot of people right way smarter than me. Yeah, let's pause right there though. Because, you know, you mentioned Gary and, and I'm, a, I'm a big Gary Vee fan as well. And, and he does talk a lot about the hustle. Uh, but I think when he talks about that hustle, he talks about it very early on in his life where he spent a lot of that time in, at the at the at the liquor store building up that whole wine library thing. I think, you know, what, what people misunderstand is it takes work at the beginning, at the beginning, totally. when you're stuck at the nine to five. I mean, you had the job that didn't even want you there, but you were still doing that job. And then when you had that extra time, that's where the hustle starts, right? This is where you start to build something for yourself. But, but hustle's short term, right? This is what people yes. don't understand. Hustle should always be short term. Don't let me tell you about point number two, because it's really important. Um, but this is what people don't understand. I am all for three weeks of hustling for a product launch. Mm. It just can't be all day, every day, for years. And this is where people get caught up because, like I said, they take all this stuff out of context and they they hear that and they think, if I just work harder. And this is a belief that we get taught in school. You know, when you are on a salary, the number of hours you work equals the number of dollars you get. You're on X mm-hmm. dollars an hour. Work more hours, make more money. It doesn't work like that when it's your own business. But I want to quickly tell you point two because this is really important. Um, 
one of the key reasons for me stepping up and being in control, because I am not an organized person by any means, is I made one of my team members cry. Mm. It's a pretty shitty feeling as a boss. Um, and I always thought I was a really good, like a really good leader boss, not just a boss boss. Like I was really inspired and I am a really inspiring leader. And I remember walking into in, to work one day and Neely was at the counter and I, she used to dread, she tells me now, she used to dread me coming in and saying, I was listening to a podcast on the way in. Uh-oh. <laughs> because she was like, crap, she's got this other great idea. Mm. And I did. I walked in one day and I was like, I was listening to this podcast on the way in and I think we should do something or other. And she literally burst into tears and she said, I can't. And I said, oh, well, we could find somebody else if we need to. She said, it's not that I, I don't think it's a great idea and it's not that I can't physically do it. It's that I just don't have any more hours left between working in the shop, doing the social media, all the bits and pieces that you do when you work in a, in a store, packing orders, taking them to the post office, all that kind of stuff. There are just no more, no more, no more days for me and I can't take on any more work. And she said, but I really want to. Like, I can see what we do. I love our customers. I love this community that we've built. I want to help more people, but I, I, I just can't. And that was the point where I just realized that my disorganization was affecting everybody else. Mm-hmm. And even though I was, I was good slapping Band-Aids on things, because I am so much a done is better than perfect kind of person, it's fine when it's in my head, but you leave this just wake of destruction with your team members when you leave it all in your head. And this is what I see too often, especially this hits at about seven figures actually, early seven figures, is people who own businesses have hustled. So you can hustle your way to seven figures, right? After that, the wheels start to fall off because mm-hmm. exactly what you said, there is, this, there is this need at the beginning for you to know how to do all the things and you're hustling. But they get to the point where, it's actually hindering rather than helping. And you have to learn to step back. But too often, retail and e-commerce store owners, and I'm sure all business owners, I just happen to work with retail and e-commerce store owners, they like to keep their fingers in all the pies. They need to know what is happening at all times. They have to sign off on everything. And they can't understand that they either need to get a 2IC, and I know that you know Mark Winters, the rocket fuel book, if you've read it, he talks about having the visionary and the integrator and you need these two people for a successful business. And the visionary has the ideas and the, and potentially even the strategy and, and knows where they want the business to go. But the implementer takes all that and then disseminates it around the company to make sure that it's put into place. And this is where those people get stuck because they can't hand over control. And as much mm-hmm. as you would never, they, you would, they would never admit it, they are control freaks and they get value. And I say they, I am one of those persons, like you, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not dissing anyone, is we get value from feeding needed, feeling needed to feel like we are a key part of the growth of the business and helping our customers. And what we need to do is just step back and say, I can still be that key part, but I don't have to do all the things. I surrender to you. Oh, How Selena. do you have all these queued up? You... This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the producer, James. I mean, he's on point today. You know, but it's, it's and, and I can see him, you know, I mean, I don't know if you can see him. He's at the bottom of the screen. I know the, the listeners, viewers can't see him, but he's laughing and, and he's laughing. Dying. Because dying. you're describing me to the T. Yes. Like, 
100 when you talked about hit you know you're, you're walking in and making your employees cry i'm thinking to myself god man i did that so many times to james i mean I, I, there's a number of times and, and again and just like you described it's not that the idea was bad it's not that the destination was bad it's just you know i would i would come in and i would say something very similar and james would look at me like okay Exactly. Now we're going to have to pivot and do all kinds of, because he's my SOP guy. He's my standard operating procedure guy. So for him, yeah. So for me, a shift is as quick as, oh, we're going in another direction. And for him, it's like step one. Fine by me. Exactly. You guys read the book because what it actually says is that James is in, in charge. Oh, he absolutely is. Yeah. Oh, he absolutely you, you don't is. Get I'm your Huckleberry. Yes, James. Yes, you are. He, he absolutely is. Uh, and and it, it's funny because now we're at a point where, you know, he has a lot more free time. We've, he's, he's put together systems and, and, and uh, operating procedures in place. We have the staffing in place and we're, we're fueled for if we wanted to, you know, major growth at this point. But he has time. He's, he's directing the ship, not in the trenches doing the work. What you're saying is a perfect description of the things we're going through. We're, we're literally uh, building a, a uh, well, we call them little cash flow businesses now, right? So we're literally doing this testimonial business and, and the same thought process is I don't want to get stuck in the minutia. I'm not yes. going to get stuck in this one. We're building it completely differently. What did you, you know, what, what happened to your business when you were able to let go, when you were able to step back and realize that, you know, I'm a leader, I'm not the one implementing what's going on. Okay. First and foremost, and you guys have probably discovered this as well. You get to have your life back. Yes. And in fact, a lot of people find that scary because you, you, I'm sure you guys find this as well. When you own your own business and run your own business, other people don't get you. You can't go to a dinner party and have a normal conversation because people who work for a living just don't get it. And either they feel inferior, even though you don't want to make them feel that way because they have no idea what you're talking about, or you just feel like you're a little bit weird and strange, regardless of how successful you are. And then you start dumbing yourself down because you don't want to make them feel bad, which is why we all love hanging out with business owners. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, let me ask you this. Um, when you find that you have more time and it's not filled with hustle, did you feel like all of a sudden you were doing something wrong? Like you felt a little awkward or a little, a little weird because you weren't as productive and you, you're like, I know, I know James and I have sat back and we're like, you know, reflecting with time that we have on, well, what's the next thing? It's almost like if we sit back and do nothing, that's wrong. But it's not. Oh, yeah. You don't we deserve feel it. that way. And did you experience something like that too? I do. And every single one of my clients when they get to that point do, does. It's this, I feel like I don't deserve it. I shouldn't be making this money for not really doing anything. It <clears> seems a little bit wrong. Um, but this is where, this is kind of the goal, right? You want to get to the part where you get to choose the things you do in your business. If you don't like making Canva templates, don't do that, right? Mm-hmm. But the key here is, and, and someone way smarter than me worked this out, is working in these 90-day sprints. These not, We call them 90-day focuses because as entrepreneurs, we are always on the next thing. Like our brain is three, three quarters ahead of what we're actually doing. And it, as James can attest, it stresses your people out. Mm-hmm. And so 90 days is enough for people like you and I to rein ourselves in but it's also long enough to get results. And so you can choose to like 
roll over to another quarter focusing on the same thing. And we quite often do that with things like sales and marketing. We might roll a new quarter over, but we define new KPIs for the next quarter. And so this is, and, and you get this satisfaction of getting results in this really, because that's what we are, right? We're so instant gratification. In 90 days, you just ride high to high to high, but it's also enough time that if something doesn't work, you can sit down because the way we do it, we put a little spreadsheet for everybody. To, well, my clients put a spreadsheet together and they say, this is what I want to achieve and this is my stretch goal. Nine times out of 10, they hit somewhere in between the two. And the, that whole writing it down and being accountable is probably one of the key drivers for people growing their business because then everybody has this, this focus of where they want to get to. Three order, 300 orders in store, done, 320. Yeah, average order value. $175, let's make it $195. And teams going, all right, what, what do we have in that price point? Maybe we need to bring some stuff in. And so you're actually giving ownership back to your team and empowerment by putting goals in place. And I hate the word goals. I feel like it's, it just feels like so counterintuitive because it means I have to focus on something. But um, we call them actions and results because we don't like those words, goals. So what are the results that you want? But by telling your team the results that you're trying to achieve, it actually gives them something to aim towards. They're not just kind of flip-flopping around, turning up, hoping that the stuff that they're doing is right. You know, they might have a gazillion things in their Asana project management board, but this way they end up being able to choose, the, or you get to choose, or your implementer gets to choose, the things that they're going to focus on. Okay. At this point, he jumped off. Abandoned me, so I what happened? Talking. <laughs> Where did he go? I totally Maybe missed that. Maybe he's gone to write some KPIs down. He probably has. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm just over here. I'm I'm telling you, I'm laughing because that is me. Like I'm the one that was always getting that end of the stick. You know, he he would come to me and say, "I have this great idea," and as I'm sitting here having written a bunch of SOPs, having created a bunch of systems, now all of a sudden he's changing everything on me. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really great for me to, to have gotten to this point. And I just love everything that you're saying right now um, because it, it just, it, it follows our story so well. And I just, I love everything that you're putting out right now. Um, it's, it's funny that everybody thinks they're unique. I'm telling you this story because it's my story. And it's pretty much every single cl client of mine's story. So it's we how Who we knew? get there is always going to be a little bit different in the journey. But there are always these key obstacles. And I find one of the things that we actually did was so um, you guys were asking what did what happened when I got my time back. Well, this just about three months ago, I kind of sat down and realized we kicked nearly every goal that we had expected to kick. And I was like, oh we're not thinking big enough. And so I sat down and we did a whole, with my creative director, we went through like a whole, as if I was a brand new client brand strategy. So who is our customers? What do we want to do? And she managed to tease out of me that I had a lot bigger dreams. Like I want to create the only, it's not, it's not it doesn't exist at the moment. I want to create the first global study, economic study, study the economy report for independent retailers. And so having these, Vision, you know, being that visionary and, and this is the things I want to be able to create. We want to impact for 50,000 independent retailers in the next five years, directly impact. That doesn't mean just like listen to the podcast. 
That means we want to get our hands into their businesses in some way, shape or form. That's a huge number to try and hit. So how do we do that? And what that's done is is made us sit down and go, if these are the two big things we want to do that I want the business to do, how do we do that? And I have to step back and say, I really need to step up my relationship game. Mm. Like I love talking to people, but I'm not always great at following through with the relationship, like making sure that I keep that. Yeah, right. So we've got two choices. I can choose to do that if that's something I want to do. Or, and you were asking me, what do you do with your time? I love talking to people. I, I, I have this really close group of friends, right? I don't, I'm not the social butterfly. And so my choice was, I don't know if you can see it on the board behind me. No, it's on the other side. We need a BDM, right? We need a business development manager or strategic partnerships manager, whatever you want to call this person. But I need someone I can hand these relationships off to when it comes down to negotiating how we're going to help their brand grow and how they're going to help my brand to grow. Because I've got it in my head and I am great at the beginning. I am awesome. I am a force to be reckoned with, especially live in person. People get caught up in my enthusiasm and my vision and they want to help. I suck at detail Mm. so Mm. badly. You know, Selena, it's funny. I feel like I was I was listening to myself in the mirror here. Like all of a sudden, you know, the, the, what you talk about, the way you describe how you operate in your business, the visionary point of view, the way you deal with relationships, a lot of it, you know, you're I mimic a lot of what you're doing. I feel the same way that you feel, uh, you know, developing those relationships is easy for me. At the beginning, it's super fun. I That's one of the best things I like doing in my day every single day. This is why we have the podcast and this is why we do what we do. Nurturing those relationships afterwards, not as easy for me. Not, yeah. as, not I'm, I'm just not, not as that, good as that. It's not that you don't like the person and it's no. not that you're not even prepared to put the time in. It's that people like you and I, and I'm sure it's a lot of people listening, our brain is working on the next thing, yes. right? So we, it's almost like we've got you know, we're on the spectrum. We're not, but it's like that. Like we, <laughs> we're not thinking about necessarily other people's feelings. Like we're, what we're trying to do is change the world and mm-hmm. we're off on the next thing. And so when you get this time back, and again, we're at this, I'm at this growth period, funnily enough, selling another house, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to put this huge chunk of money into the business and, and just brought on three new people is business development manager strategy. We don't, don't know what the person is, but what I, I know what I want them to do is I want them to take up where I left off. I want them to do the negotiating. And because this is, this is what I'm good at. And this is where you get to in your business where I don't want to be sitting on Canva. I want to be out meeting new people. I want to be out changing the lives of independent retailers. I want to be giving them the, I want to do this. I want to yes. give them the information they need to change their lives. I'm well, not doing that in a boardroom. Someone no, else can you're do not. that. You're absolutely not. Well, let's make sure we do that, Selena. I mean, we're running. I, we went a little long. I hope it wasn't oh. uh, bad in your schedule, but that's okay. Uh, before we head out, you know, you've been, you've inspired me at least to take a look at stuff and 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 kind of reflect back on what I'm doing. If people want to reach out to you, they want to work with you, they want to ask questions, maybe you know, talk to you a little bit. How can they find you? Okay, so um, not awesome at social media. Just about to hire someone to do that. Why? because I'm too busy helping other people grow their businesses. Um, on LinkedIn probably is the best place. You've got me, the Selena Knight, on all the socials. I hang out on LinkedIn more because sometimes there's a little bit more intelligent conversation. But probably the best place is just come and listen to the Bringing Business to Retail podcast. If that's your jam, um, and we talk a lot about a lot of things, not just retail and e-commerce, 
But if that's the kind of thing, if you like what I have to say, come and listen in. won't cost you a cent. And if you do, selenanight.com, lots of podcasts, strategies, downloads, sheets, all the stuff, you can find me there. And you can see how you can work with me if that seems like your thing. Sweet. I don't do the hard sell. Like I know it's a thing that they teach you. But realistically, I always figure if you've done a really good job giving people information, they already know whether they want to work with you or not. They just generally want to know how much it is. And that's one of the things, I know we've run out of time. That's one of the things that we do on our website. You want to go to the website, you'll see how much everything we do costs. It's all there. Someone can steal it if they want to. But I've had people save up money for two years to work with me because they mm. knew because they knew the price and they knew that that's what they wanted to do. So I believe that if you're great at that impact pillar and if you're good at your marketing and, and understanding who your customer is, then you shouldn't have to do the hard sell. Right. Right. You're absolutely right. Bring the value. You've got to put the offer out there. Let me, sorry, don't get me yes, wrong. You've got to put the offer do. out there. Oh, no, no. You, you, you can't just pre- think people will come to you and buy. You have to say, hey, here's the thing I'm selling. You have to make but- the ask. I, so what I'm selling now, you've got to make the ask. What I'm selling now is come and listen to me on the podcast. Just take that next step. Come and listen to me on the podcast. That's all it takes. Yep. Uh, Selena, speaking of, of podcasts, I mean, you, you've, you have yours, you're experienced. You can tell, uh, by the way, you can tell that you're an experienced uh, speaker. What do you think about being on our show? What do you think of our, our process, our show? What, what was your experience like on the Business Bros? You really want me to say that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. Heads up to love the marketing at the beginning with the upsells. Like I am the queen of upsells. So like schmick, haven't seen that before. Um, probably the biggest thing was not ex- not knowing what to expect. So being an experienced person, I made sure I came on five minutes early, plugged it in, set up on my mic and everything. Um, I, sus- I suspect that other people who maybe aren't so experienced wouldn't know about that and that's going to give you some lag time. So maybe, and I actually went through my emails to check to see if I had any more emails from you beforehand, and none of them went over that. And even just like, what's your favorite song? I think some people, like I'm, like I can have a conversation with anything about anyone. Um, I think a lot of people might get caught out there. So maybe just adding another one or two emails into your automation sequence. Love automation automation sequence that says, you know, this is how it runs. We're really fun. If you haven't you know, seen us yet, we're really fun. We'll throw in a couple of curveballs with our sound effects and stuff like that. This is the end. Like we're really high energy. How have you gone with before with people who are not high energy? Uh, you know what? The, the, the greatest thing I think is when I come high energy, when, when the energy is high from the host, they tend to step up as well. Good. Right. And I think having the live, uh, the live caption part of it, it's, it's also the, uh, everybody feels like they have to step up a little bit. I've had people who are like, you know, I'm really introverted. This is not really my thing, but you helped me feel much more comfortable about this. And I had much more energy during the show. And then every once in a while, you have those people who just, you know, you ask them an open-ended question, they give you a yes or no answer. And then as a host, you just kind of have to learn to uh, conversate <laughs> through these things. I mean, you've done yeah. that before, I'm sure. Oh, oh, off mic, I'll tell you about that. Can we ask James to please spell my name right though in the down the bottom? <laughs> it's S A L. Oh, there you go. S A L. Yes. S A L E N A. There you go. There we go. Um, cool. So, yeah, that was probably the only thing is maybe just one or two emails beforehand, just saying what people to ex- like, what to expect. But I, I love the concept of the upsell. Like, guys, that's like hands down, best thing. What's your conversion rate? Totally e commerce marketer. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, it's not very good to be honest. It's not, uh, it's not, it's not one of the the greatest things. But we've been thinking about switching the order and the way we do things as well. So sometimes it's, uh, you know, once a uh, once a guest is already booked, um, once you've entered your information, you're more likely to go on to an upsell. So we're we're thinking yeah. of, about rearranging the way things go. Yeah. But First purchase uh, I mean, upsell. Yes, exactly, exactly. And I'd also step out what you get. So you guys kind of had a list of things. But I would have on that post, so I do post-purchase upsell when someone does a freebie download. We sell a workbook. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a little video. So you could do a video or just lay out exactly what people are going to get. So you kind of listed it out, but some people are visual. And so, you know, here are three examples of the clips that we give you. Here's the copy of, you know, a transcript, what a transcript looks like. Here's three social media posts, just so people can get a really good idea because I looked at it. 10 minutes before I came on the podcast and I was like, oh, look, that's an awesome idea. Yeah, I don't have time to look at that. So, mm. and we have our own in-house person, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, that's what you're doing, right? No, well, thank you very much for the feedback. I mean, it's 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 literally what we're doing. Um, what we're focusing our attention on right now mostly is the testimonial business. It's the quality of your customers, the good job that you're already doing as a retailer or any type yeah. of professional. We want your customers to talk about you. That's the I suck key, at that. Right? You suck at that. I suck what? at getting what? testimonials. Yeah, well, we're putting we're putting a process in place for it. Okay, well, let me ask you this: uh, If you were to give somebody a testimonial to the show, like, what did you think of? What was your experience as being a guest on the Business Bros podcast? I thought it was super fun. I loved the energy. I loved the fact that you guys were streaming live because that's not something a lot of people do. That you were you're tagging on social media. And that the, you told me right at the beginning what we're trying to achieve. And it, I love the little interspersions with the the comments and the, the gifts and things like that. So I, for me, I'm a fun person. Like this is a really fun podcast to come on. And I think it's a really unique way to be able to share what you're going to say because it's not the same five questions that the host asks asks every single other person. Exactly. Well, just like that, that's a video testimonial. And what we do, I'm going to share the framework with you. It's pretty simple. Uh, What we do is first, we recognize how awesome you are via our fire intro. Then we ask you for more of your awesomeness by getting to know you on the show. Then we ask you what you think of us. uh, And that's really what we do. That's how we build a testimonial. I mean, how cool would it be uh, if you had your customers talking about you the way you talked about us just right now? I think it's awesome. I'm just not that great at doing it. That's all right. We've got myself a new integrator. She's working on it. (laughs) She's working on it. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to throw this out here. I'm going to give you my point for a big plug before we head out. If you guys are interested in getting some testimonials done for your business, make sure you guys go to businessbros.biz slash testimonials. Find out how we can help you grow your business, generate more, more business, more referrals by implementing testimonials. Turn your existing customers into your sales force. All right, Selena, thank you very much for coming on the show. I know we went long, but it was just so much fun to talk to you, to hear your story about all the things you're doing. So thank you for taking that extra time and coming on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been awesome. All right, ladies and gents, we'll see you guys again manana. Until then, peace out, y'all. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? Hernan, the business bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com. 
to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.